It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome back to the Jason and Alice podcast. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and you're going to love this week's conversation. I, I just tell you, you know, last week we interviewed Peter Schweitzer about him, his background, what he does, what he doesn't do, how he got there, kind of nerd that he is. But, you know, he's he's actually a really engaging, fun, happy person. I, I really appreciate my time with with uh, with Peter Schweitzer. Again, I'm associated with the group that he runs called the Government Accountability Institute, but they do they have an array of professionals and investigators that really do illuminate some of the biggest problems and challenge with with conflicts of interest and and outright corruption that's happening uh, within Washington, DC. So today we're going to have a conversation with Peter, and we're going to talk about the latest with Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and why it's so important. And, you know, some of you may have followed this as close as possible. Some of you may be confused by it because there's so many aspects to this story. But that's why this is going to be an important podcast, because we're going to be able to walk you through why this should be such a national concern and the evidence that's behind it. So that's the intention here. We're going to kind of just quickly get right into that. I know there's all kinds of things happening in the news and the stupid and everything, but this has a unique conversation, a unique combination in that this is the news, but it's also highly stupid, but it's also playing out in real time. And, um, you know, you hear a lot from the presidential candidates talking about, um, Oh, we're going to clear out the Department of Justice. We're going to fire Director A. We're going to fire the Attorney General. There needs to be, in my personal opinion, a systemic cleansing of the Department of Justice because it's less than 20% of America actually believes that they are honest, candid, and doing the things that we need the Department of Justice to do. We got to get past that. We got to have Lady Liberty, uh, Lady Justice. Uh, with a blindfold on and prosecuting those cases, regardless of whether your name is Biden or Clinton or anybody else, you've got to be able to, to, to have confidence that your Department of Justice is going to equally and fairly dive into to, uh, to, to these issues. So, again, it's this unique combination of news and the stupid. The best way to do this is to bring on Peter Schweitzer himself. And let's just dive right into it. So let's dial up Peter Schweitzer. Hello. Peter Schweitzer. Hey, Jason Chaffetz calling again. Hey, Jason. Great to hear your voice again. How are you doing? Well, hey, I call you a lot. So thanks for continuing to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I checked I checked the phone ID and I felt like I was in the mood. So hey, well, all listen, kidding aside, good to see you. Well, good listen, with you. last week, the last podcast I did with you, really insightful, a lot of fun uh, talking about you and, and, you know, your journey moving forward from being quite the nerd who, although he cooked a lot of French fries and McDonald's, um, <laughs> did some very important research. You've written a bunch of books. You got a new book coming out in January that I'm really intrigued about reading and seeing. Um, but we thought this week um, we would talk a little bit more in depth about something you and I have talked about quite a bit. Uh, you have done the research on it, you have looked at it, and you know as well as anybody. And that is um, the corruption that's been unfolding right be before our eyes uh, with the Biden family. And, uh, you know, you'd never want to be in this position. You want to go and look at it and say, well, you know, that's plausible and, you know, maybe... But this has turned out to be so out of control and so obvious. But I want to walk through some of the details that maybe a lot of people don't realize and, and talk a little bit more in depth about not just Hunter Biden, but it is much broader than Hunter Biden. 
Yeah, I, I think in some respects, the way that media has handled this, I'm not talking about the mainstream media that kind of has ignored it, but even those outlets that have covered it have really focused singularly on Hunter and some of Hunter's personal problems. Uh, you know, Hunter to me is the symptom or the reflection of the broader problem, um, which is that, you know, Joe Biden during his public service career now spanning, you know, what, 50 years uh, in the U.S. Senate uh, and uh, as vice president, now president of the United States, uh, erected a system uh, within the family uh, to fund the family, enrich the family through public service. It's not unique in this respect. There are other political families that have done it. But I think, Jason, what makes this one different is, number one, the amounts of money, which is, you know, tens of millions of dollars. But number two, that it's coming really from overseas. I mean, this is not a, a case of, you know, a, a uh, you know, senator, uh, a re Republican senator from Missouri um, who, you know, had three members of his family that were registered lobbyists at the same time, uh, Senator Roy Blunt, you know. And I've criticized him for that. But those were all foreign entities. Um, that's the kind of unfortunate rank and file corruption that we see too much of in Washington. What the Bidens have done is globalized it in such a way to where now we're talking about foreign oligarchs and even foreign governments having the ear and being able to get and expect favors from uh, our leaders. And that, to me, makes this of a magnitude far worse than anything we've seen. So based on the research that you've done and the Government Accountability Institute, of which I'm associated with uh, along with you, but you run, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's run by you, um, what's the estimate these days as to the amount of money, the magnitude of money that we're talking about here? So if you look at the Hunter Biden laptop um, and then you look at the so-called suspicious activity reports that have been released by first by Senator Grassley and Johnson in, in the Senate and now with the House Oversight Committee, you have $31 million approximately that came from China. I say approximately because 20 million of that relates to an equity stake that Hunter Biden had in a Chinese company. We don't know the exact amount, but the good estimate from the University of Chicago Business School is it was worth $20 million when he sold it. Uh, so it's $31 million just from China. Now, if you look at Ukraine, we know that Burisma sent him another four or five million dollars. Uh, we know that, um, you know, millions came from Russia. We know that there are millions that also came from Romania. So, you know, we're talking mid tens of millions of dollars. The number could be much higher. Um, that's the problem. And it doesn't just involve uh, Hunter Biden. It involves James Biden, who is Joe Biden's brother. It involves other members of the family who also received cash transfers from uh, these deals. And I think ultimately it's going to we're going to find evidence that there was money that directly benefited Joe Biden in this as well. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. You start to go through, you look at uh, Haley Biden, uh, you know, she's a school counselor. Uh, why was she right. getting any money from overseas? <laughs> you look at Joe Biden's grandkids, you know, at one point yeah. via Romania, they get from Louis Free, who is working in association with Hunter Biden. Yes, the former FBI director in the Clinton administration. The kids get, the grandkids get $100,000 deposited into their account. Now, I don't know how anybody just doesn't even report that story. That is that is a compelling story why grandkids would get $100,000. Absolutely it is. And, and look, to be crystal clear about this, uh, you know this, Jason, but maybe a lot of people in the audience don't because the the, the team Biden position is basically, well, Joe Biden didn't get any money, so there's nothing to see here. Right. To be clear, bribery does not just entail the politician get gets paid. If family members are getting paid, if money's being put into a foundation run by family members, that is all bribery as much as if Joe Biden pocketed every single penny that was collected from China and Romania and Ukraine and Russia. So, you know, the fact that we're talking about the grandchildren, you know, a daughter, a son, a brother are are getting these large payments um, 
if Joe Biden is, in fact, doing things in favor uh, of getting that money, and I think there's clear evidence that he did, uh, that is bribery uh, under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, at, uh, you know, if you look at general bribery statutes. So to me, it is crystal clear that we have now evidence that criminal conduct has taken place. That's not a term that I used before. We first uh, reported on this back in 2018, never said it was criminal because it was too much we didn't know. I just said it looked bad and it was corrupt. Uh, but it's pretty clear now, based on what the committee has done, uh, this is criminal conduct. This is bribery uh, that the Bidens uh, have engaged in. And, and I think we have some very serious uh, issues we've got to resolve in this country as to how we're going to handle this. Yeah. And, and the traditional media, which is a totally different subject. I don't want to get off the rails on that, but their non-reporting, their lack of intellectual curiosity uh, is doing the country a great disfavor. Because if you compare that to Donald Trump and how they treated, you know, they put the Donald Trump Jr. on the cover of Time magazine saying caught red handed for one one. 20-minute meeting with somebody he never met before and never took any money or anything from his every but had to you know answer all the congressional questions and get interviewed and all that again i don't want to get off the the rails on this i think this is what's bothering america though is the two-tier system of justice that they are not seriously investigating this they're treating it totally separate because it is a biden but i i want to try to stay specific to how this got on the radar, how it started. And obviously the laptop has given a treasure trove of information that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And yeah. I'm not talking about the salacious, you know, the, the, I mean, it's downright pornographic and, you know, all the stuff that he did with um, prostitutes and videotaping himself and the drug use. I mean, it is disgusting, um, and, and it's not just a couple of files. It's chock full of that. But I want to talk about the actual bribery and corruption. Um, when did this start? How did, how did this show up on the radar? And, um, you know, you know, Hunter Biden did this. He's done an interview or two. And he admitted that, you know, he probably wouldn't have any gig if not for his last name being Biden. But when did this really kind of start and come into play? Well, so, you know, we ran across in 2016 some very, very interesting um, accounts of Hunter Biden trips to China. And I say interesting accounts. These were Chinese social media accounts. And. You know, we saw a picture. There was Hunter Biden. It was a picture from 2011. Hunter Biden in China. And he's there with probably 10 Chinese officials. And there is the son of the vice president sitting with the equivalent in China of the Treasury Secretary, the head of the Federal Reserve, the head of Goldman Sachs, the head of J.P. Morgan, the head of Bank of America, name any big financial institution. They're all there meeting with Hunter Biden, the son of the vice president. And I thought, this is weird. <laughs> OK, right. this is odd. Um, he has no background in finance. He has no expertise in finance. So we started looking more. And what we discovered was that, you know, when Joe Biden had been inaugurated in January of 2009, vice president of the United States, Hunter Biden started a new business just a few months later. Uh, up until that point, he had been a lobbyist lobbying on behalf of Delaware entities uh, and he was effectively lobbying his father's office, even though he would say, no, I didn't lobby my father's office. That's what he was doing. Now, here he was setting up a, quote unquote, international finance business, even though he had no background in finance. Um, and he was suddenly meeting with the top officials in China. The only reason he's doing that is he's the son of the vice president. And then we started to piece together who were the people he was actually doing deals with. Um, these were not, um, you know, entrepreneurs who had resisted the communist regime and were, you know, business. These were guys that were juiced in with the Chinese political apparatus. So I published a book in 2018 called Secret Empires. Uh, the book came out, hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And there were some murmurings from reporters. I had lunch with a reporter at the New York Times who covers China. China. And he said, interesting book. I had revelations in there on Mitch McConnell, and they did, in fact, end up.
up doing a story on Mitch McConnell's ties to China. But he told me, he said, well, you know, Joe Biden, he's kind of out of politics. But if he runs for office, this is in 2018, if he runs for office again, we'll cover this. Which, of course, they didn't, which they didn't do. Um, so that's kind of what happened to the story. I mean, uh, Trump bought it up, brought it up in the 2020 election. It was covered by Fox and other news outlets. Didn't get mainstream media coverage. Then you had the laptop emerged in October of 2020. That kind of blew everything wide open. Um, it didn't affect the 2020 election, of course, because it was suppressed by social media, by the mainstream media. But we took the laptop and we studied it. We studied every single text, every single email that was sent. Um, and it allowed us to really add even more meat to the bones. Um, and it would allowed us to confirm not just that these relationships and these business deals that happened, but the amount of money, because in those emails, there were messages from Chinese businessmen saying, hey, Hunter, I wired you the five million dollars into your account. Um, so you were able to actually confirm and quantify the flow of the money. So that's kind of the, the the laptop really stood on our shoulders and took this story to another level. And here we are today with congressional committees with subpoena powers doing the work that should have been done a long time ago. But now with the Republicans in majority is actually happening. So it's very gratifying to see where it's going. And I think Comer is doing an excellent job in propelling this story forward. You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Peter Schweitzer right after this. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, uh, Chairman Comer, my second favorite uh, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, uh, I say that with a big <laughs> smile because I used to chair that committee. Yes, but he's you doing, did. He's, he's doing a fantastic job. I mean, and really only in about seven months' time, uh, given the, where his starting point was. Uh, and working, trying to extract documents from an administration that is totally conflicted, um, total conflict of interest. But, you know, one of the deep concerns, and I, I kind of want to go around the horn of the world and talk about the different areas, but let's stay focused on, on China for a moment. Not only is it the flow of money, but talk to us about the ties. It's not as if you have private organizations in China. They're all tied into the government, which means they're also tied into the national security or intelligence operations around the world or, or within the, the Chinese world. Um, and talk to us about the super chairman and, and the concerns and the question marks and the um, why Americans should be so concerned about it. It's not just Hunter Biden and with Joe Biden, you know, in support, opening doors for legitimate business deals. But the proximity to the intelligence side of the equation, it really does scare me. Yeah, it, it should. Uh, it should scare everybody. And that's, you know, one of the points I try to make is this is not just a corruption story. It's very clearly a national security story, because what you have to look at is this. The Bidens have received tens of millions of dollars from the Chinese. We believe it's hard to know the exact number. We believe it's about $31 million. Uh, it's at a minimum tens of millions of dollars. Uh, but you look at, in exchange for all of that money, there's nothing discernible in terms of a legitimate business service that Hunter Biden right. or the Biden family perform for any of it. So why is this money arriving to them? And then the second thing you have to look at is who's actually sending the money. There's basically three or four Chinese businessmen that are responsible for making these deals happen. Each and every one of those businessmen has ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. And I don't say that loosely. So you look at Che Fang, Hunter Biden calls him the super chairman. He says at one point on the laptop, I don't believe in the lottery anymore, but I believe in the super chairman. And his name is Che Fang. Che Fang is the one who arranged this equity stake in this Chinese investment fund funded by the Chinese government. Well, at the exact same time that Che Fang is setting up Hunter Biden in this sweetheart lottery like deal, he is also business partners with the vice minister of state security, which is China's spy apparatus. So and that guy's name was Ma Jian. 
So literally the same guy who is putting this money in Hunter Biden's pocket would then get circulated throughout the Biden family. That same guy is business partners with the with the vice minister, who, by the way, is responsible for recruiting foreign nationals to spy on behalf of China. That's kind of freaky, right? That's kind of scary. But then let's move on to the to the uh, the next one. Uh, Henry Zhao, Henry Zhao, uh, an investment guy, sends five million dollars to Hunter Biden. We know this because it's on the laptop. We know this because of the suspicious activity reports, wire transfers that have been reported by the Senate. Henry Zhao sends five million to Hunter Biden. He sends that from a company called Harvest. And one of his business partners in Harvest is the daughter of the former minister of state security who runs the entire spy apparatus of China. So now you've got deal number two. And then you go to deal number three. This is Ya Yiming, who's the head of CEFC, that Chinese energy company. He sends some six million dollars to the Bidens. Again, we know that because we have the financial uh, transactions banking records. Well, who is Chairman Yi, as Hunter calls him, that sends six million dollars to the Bidens? The job he had before he took this gig at the energy company was running an organization that everybody in the Western world knows is a front organization for Chinese military intelligence. So the question is, Jason, how is it that of all the businessmen in a nation with more than a billion people are the only businessmen that Hunter Biden does business deals with? all have these levels of ties to the very top of the Chinese intelligence establishment. That, to me, makes this a potential espionage spy story that that a foreign intelligence service may have leverage over the first family of the United States because they have provided these funds. There's been no legitimate business service performed in favor of it. What did they get for that money? That is the question that I think needs to be asked and takes this to be just not a terrible corruption story, but a national security story. No, absolutely. This is the deep concern and you, you can't take it lightly. I mean, not only did Hunter Biden accompany Joe Biden on Air Force Two to go to China, but there's also this strange report. I think it was Senator Johnson who originally um, uh, found this. So correct me if I'm wrong, but he's done great work on this as well as Senator Grassley. And, yeah. and, and Hunter Biden at one point takes a trip to China, but sheds off his Secret Service protection. You know, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Explain. I mean, what what's the what's going on there? Well, and again, the timing here is 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 weird, to say the least. Um, yeah, Hunter Biden uh, had Secret Service protection uh, when he traveled overseas. And I would say anybody who has done business in China knows the security challenges that any uh, Western traveler has going to China. And not to say anything if you're the son of the sitting vice president of the United States. But in, in the summer of 2014, this is after the China deals start to come to fruition. He starts getting money. Uh, Hunter Biden goes to the Secret Service and says, I don't want you traveling with me overseas anymore. And they stop. Now, you know, part of the surprise to me here, Jason, is this would have certainly been reported to Joe Biden, the vice president, um, why the vice president wouldn't say to his son, look, out of prudence, I'm going to make this easy for you. You got to go to if you go to China, you got to go with Secret Service protection. If you don't want Secret Service protection, then don't go to China. Right. But that was never relayed. So Hunter Biden went wide open without security protection to China. And we don't know what he was subject to during those trips. Any businessman will tell you they've heard stories of their colleagues being monitored, uh, being, you know, attempts to compromise them in all sorts of ways. And yet here is Hunter Biden saying, I want to effectively go there without any protection when I'm visiting China. It's, again, another enormous concern and another enormous red flag. Now, look, as I I, I went as a member of Congress a, a couple of times to China, uh, they yep wouldn't allow us to have mobile phones, communications. We had to put them in uh, special, um, I, it, it's kind of classified, I can't really talk about it, but they, they basically took our phones from us. Um, we had to be exceptionally careful what we did, who we interacted with um, under constant surveillance. 
um, not only videos and photos, but audios, including in our hotel rooms. I mean, it's a massive intelligence opportunity to be on Chinese soil. So for and and the Secret Service, um, they're there not just to protect you from getting kidnapped or you know somebody, but to protect you in all ways. And, yeah. and really what they're supposed to be doing is they don't want the president, in this case, Barack Obama, to be put in a compromised situation where he has to make very difficult decisions. Um, that's why they're there. That's why they get yeah. the kids and grand, you know, grandkids and others. They don't want to have to have this type of situation. And so nobody really knows what Hunter Biden was doing for all that time that he spent in China without any protection whatsoever. Right. Exactly. And again, I mean, to me, Joe Biden, you know, especially when you start to get into 2014, 2015, 2016, um, Joe Biden's aware that his son has these substance abuse issues. He knows he's going through these personal issues, you know, in his marriage and whatnot. That would only, to me, heighten the fact that you as a father would yeah. say to your son, look, if you're going to go to business in China, you're going with the Secret Service. End of discussion. You never see any of that with Joe Biden. And that's why I think it's important to, to realize as much as some Democrats want to say, well, this is just Hunter kind of off doing his thing. Father and son were in regular communication. It's very easy for the father to say, we're putting up guardrails, okay? You're starting this new international business? That's fine. Seek business in Berlin. Seek business in Tokyo. Don't go to China. Don't go to Ukraine. Don't go to Russia, uh, these highly corrupt areas. But no guardrails were ever put in place. And I think the reason that's becoming increasingly clear is that Joe Biden was a, a, effectively a participant in this. He, he saw what the model was. He knew where the money was, uh, and he would prefer to not have his son uh, be subject to Secret Service protection because it gives his son a, a greater uh, ability and latitude uh, in these in these transactions to speak openly and frankly and to know that no federal uh, officer is listening to him. You know, the excuse here that you hear from the Democrats and the a lot in the traditional media is, oh, well, Joe Biden didn't benefit personally. There's no evidence, you know, as Joe Biden himself said, never participated, never had a discussion with his son about these business dealings, certainly didn't profit. I mean, they're they're moving goalposts on on what the standard here is. But Joe Biden in China with his son in tow courtesy of the United States taxpayers, you, me, and everybody else paying their way, not only did he just shake hands with people, but there was a lot more interaction than they originally uh, said there was. Yeah, I mean, the lurking question with all of this, Jason, is if if there was nothing uh, that Joe Biden did that was wrong, why have you repeatedly for years lied uh, about these interactions and lied about the relationships. I mean, they initially said he wasn't even aware of his business dealings. When Secret Empires first came out, they said, this is ridiculous. There were no foreign deals. Joe Biden didn't even know about them. Uh, then they transitioned to, well, he was aware of them, but he never at, at any time discussed it with his son or <laughs> met any of the business partners. That was a complete lie. And the point is, it would have been very if they're saying that there's nothing wrong with this, there's nothing that 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 looks bad or that is bad. Why not come out and say, yeah, Hunter was doing deals in China. Yeah, I shook the guy's hand. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not what they've done. They've they've consistently changed and shifted. And we're now at a point when it comes to China and when it comes to Ukraine, where you can look at very particular policy positions that Joe Biden has taken that absolutely clearly benefited those that Hunter Biden was doing business with and that Hunter Biden received payments from these individuals when those policy decisions were made. So, again, when they say that Joe Biden never personally benefited to have your son, your grandchildren and your brother make millions of dollars is absolutely, according to corruption laws, according to bribery laws, is absolutely a personal benefit and is the same as if he took all the money himself. Not only did Hunter Biden and the Bidens extract the money out of China and these other countries, China, we believe, is the biggest amount. But Hunter Biden's business partners were given untold access 
to the White House. Uh, uh, Jeff Cooper at one point traveling on Air Force Two, uh, going into Mexico to try to close a deal. Uh, the number of White House visits. Kind of go through the list, if you can, Peter, off the top of your head of who these characters are and what they were able to do. Yeah, there were a couple of other people that were in business um, with with Hunter. Um, we've heard from Devin Archer, of course, uh, who um, is going to jail on an unrelated uh, charge, uh, although that was a financial bond scheme that involved an entity that hunter biden was also partners in but for some reason right. uh he was he was never charged but you have devin archer you have jeff cooper and again if you look at the laptop there's just a gold mine of how this operated i mean there's a a, a famous email i remember sharing it with you and you called me when we found it you called me and said this is unbelievable is hunter talking to uh, a, a gentleman who's a member of a very wealthy family in Mexico, and he's writing on Air Force Two, and he says in the, uh, in the email, I'm flying in on Air Force Two. I expect you to be at the tarmac when I arrive with my father. I've done everything that you've asked me to do. I've got you meetings in the vice presidential residence. I got you meetings in the White House. Uh, and why are you not giving me the deals that you said you were going to giving me i mean he's berating him he drops the f-bomb um and it clearly demonstrates that this was transactional you get access uh we help you with what you need done in washington and in exchange you are going to grease us into deals uh in your country you see that in mexico you see that in ukraine where barisma the uh the energy company paying hunter biden a million dollars a year actually at one point you know, Hunter starts collecting the money. He's not doing a lot. We now know based on emails that the Burisma officials are saying, hey, you know, what are you going to do for us? Uh, and then Hunter springs into action. He gets a meeting with his father. Uh, the Burisma executives are complaining about the prosecutor, uh, this prosecutor. And can we get the prosecutor fired? Uh, we know based on Devin Archer's testimony that that the Burisma executives and Hunter actually called Joe Biden to say, can we do something about the prosecutor? And of course, we have Joe Biden bragging that he is the one that right. got the prosecutor fired by basically extortion, telling the Ukrainian government, until you fire this guy, you're not going to get a billion dollars in USAID. Um, all of that indicates the, the Biden business model. And it's really, to me, a disgrace how the mainstream media has avoided this issue. All you need to do is look at the polling today. Congress has very low ratings in terms of trust as an institution. There are only a couple that are lower. One of them is the mainstream media, and they have inflicted this upon themselves uh, by refusing to be honest and transparent with the American people about what's really going on in the country. You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Peter Schweitzer right after this. And overseas, because, you know, one of the stories that really, really bothers me is the one that came out of Romania, where you have this person can't pronounce his name, who's essentially <laughs> up on on, uh, on his own bribery charges, but somehow gets connected up with Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden says, hey, he has a smart idea. If we're going to lean on the Department of Justice, let's bring in Louis Free. He's a friend of ours. Uh, Louis right. Free being the former FBI director under the Clinton administration. And his job was to lean on the Department of Justice so they would lean on the Romanians to go soft in this prosecution. Well, they were kind of late to the game. Um, this guy was still convicted um, for bribery there in Romania, but there was a lot of money that flowed. And from that, that's where this $100,000 goes into Joe Biden's grandkids' account as a thank yeah. you for... Uh, referring business and doing business. And, you know, when Louis Free says, hey, I'm helping out the Bidens um, and uh, hey, you remember me here over here at the Department of Justice. Uh, we need to make some calls into Romania. I mean, how are they going to react to that? And, and, and it just shows this incestuous relationship and the this further feeds the the concern that the Department of Justice is corrupt that it's compromised and that it's doing things that nobody else would be able to do unless you're paying millions of dollars and 
and untold amount of money, uh, and you get somebody like a Hunter Biden or Joe Biden to call and lean on and say, yeah, uh, go do this. This will be a good thing. Yeah, it, it, it really is an astonishing. And I think one of the things that I overlooked for years uh, was the really the relationship between Joe Biden and the Department of Justice federal law enforcement community. So, so what do I mean by that? Well, Joe Biden for a long time was the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, or he was the, you know, the senior ranking member when they right. were in a minority, or he was a senior member. All of the major legislation involving reform, enhanced powers, the budget for the Department of Justice goes through Joe Biden's committee. He has a lot of friends. He, he did a lot of things to help build up the Department of Justice in terms of budget and responsibility and scope, et cetera. Same thing with the FBI. I think that is a huge factor here. And I think a guy like Louis Free is a classic example of what we're talking about. He was the FBI director during the Clinton years. Um, he leaves as FBI director. What, where does he go? He goes to Wilmington, Delaware to set up his consulting firm. He sends his kids to a private school there where Joe Biden as a senator uh, happens to uh, have a long history. Uh, senator Biden is even on the finance committee of this school where uh, Louis Free is sending his kids. They know each other from, you know, the budget and, and law enforcement conversations they had when Joe was in the Senate on the Judiciary Committee. And they built up this close friendship. And then when Louis Free is in the private in private business, Hunter Biden learns about this corrupt Romanian oligarch who, by the way, made a fortune. This is the allegations behind the corruption charges made a fortune because he got a tip off and bought the land that our U new U.S. embassy was eventually built on right. in Bucharest. So there could have been a bilking of taxpayers involving here. Uh, and Hunter Biden starts getting, I think it's $60,000 a month from this guy. And what does he do? He ropes in a former FBI director to say, hey, let's help this corrupt guy uh, get restrictions removed because he's been charged in Romania. So that restricts his activities in the United States. Let's help a guy out. I mean, that's really where a former FBI director has gone. And the Bidens, as you said, were enriched because of it. it it's it's a remarkable, ugly face uh, of the sort of corruption that we're seeing at the Department of Justice. Yeah. And I don't know how you deny that uh, of Joe, Joe Biden's involvement, because I think you're right. If you look at the proximity, there's no way that Louis Free becomes the FBI director unless Joe Biden gives the thumbs up. It just, it's impossible, yeah. given his high-ranking position. Remember, Joe Biden was elected in 1972, and yeah. um, he had been in the Senate quite a bit and focused on the Judiciary Committee. There's no way that Louis Free gets into that spot. And if you look at the email traffic that goes back and forth between Louis Free and Hunter Biden, hey, tell your dad I said hi. Oh, I saw him from a distance. <laughs> Didn't have a chance to thank him personally, but, you know, I wanted, and I want to keep doing business with y'all. That kind of stuff, you read through it, it is so painfully obvious. But again, I, I think the uh, Oversight Committee is overwhelmed with the amount of information and data. Uh, let, let's pivot here because we only have so, you know, so long that we can we can go on this podcast. But where should the investigation go next? Where does it go next? Well, I think we had very uh, a compelling testimony from um, Devin Archer, one of Hunter Biden's business partners. Uh, there are others um, that um, come forward um, that I think we we need to hear from the additional business partners. I also think that eventually they're going to call and need to call Hunter Biden uh, to testify before the committee. But I also think there are some very important uh, forensic tools uh, that they should be using. I don't know if the committee has subpoenaed them, but I think they should. One of them is this telephone, this telephone that we know based on the laptop that Joe Biden carried around while he was vice president of the United States. Important thing. It's not a government phone. It's not even Joe's personal you know, phone. It's a phone paid for by Rosemont Seneca Partners, which is Hunter's business that is involved in all these illicit transactions. 
the committee, I hope they have, needs to subpoena those phone records because I think it's going to offer a lot of insight into evidence as to who Joe Biden was talking to on this back channel, how often he was talking to uh, Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's business partners. Was he, in fact, taking calls on this unsecured private line paid for by his son's business, was he taking calls from foreign businessmen that were business partners to Hunter Biden? Did he take a phone call from Burisma? You have this F-1023 out there describing, allegedly, this bribery scheme in which Burisma executives uh, say they sent $10 million to the Bidens, five to Joe, five to Hunter. And the claim is they have phone recordings of Hunter Biden, uh, sorry, of Joe Biden, two of them, it could very well have taken place on this phone. So I hope they're going to subpoena those phone records. I don't. There have been criticism of the committee that they're going too slow. I think they're going at the right pace. Thoroughness is important here. I think they've done a very good job of not exaggerating what they have, reporting what they have. And I think that as things move closer to the center of gravity here, which is Joe Biden, uh, we're going to see that actually he was the beneficiary in some indirect ways of funds flowing to him courtesy of these foreign business deals. And I think then it's going to become very, very difficult for Democrats to continue to insist in this, you know, retreat action they've been engaged in now for five years. Uh, you know, what's the next defense? Well, he may have gotten paid, but it wasn't that much. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really all they got left, Jason, at this point. Yeah, no, this is what's disgusting about the the process and and what's happening here. If you're 80 years old, and you can help your brother, your uh, your son, your grandkids. You're telling me that's not a benefit to somebody who's 80 years old and been in government since 1972? Obviously, he wasn't for a few years there. He did get a book deal. He did get do some other things. But come on. You, you, and you have two big mansions and everything else. Um, that's such a lame excuse because if it was anybody else anybody on the republican side of the aisle they would have been been smothering this absolutely but um there has been some decent reporting out there by you know i think fox news uh the new york post the daily mail yep. others have done it but you know until you actually exhaust this and run it to the ground Personally, I think, I don't want to put you on the spot, personally, I think they need to do an impeachment inquiry. That's not an impeachment, but that gives some power and weight to the subpoenas that would be issued uh, by the oversight and potentially the Judiciary Committee there in the House of Representatives. I think it would be much more compelling if Abby Lowell, the uh, attorney for Hunter Biden, uh, wants to wrap him up in court and deny access to these types of documents. I think uh, a compelling thing before a judge would be that there was a vote in the House in order to get that. And by the way, I have this question that comes up a lot of times and they say, oh, how come we haven't seen Hunter Biden? Why don't you do a Hunter Biden thing? Oh, you're just waiting for the election. No, the last person you call, the very last person you call is the actual subject who, who would know this. Um, and that's the person. Once you get all the ducks in a row, when you have all the information then you call up Hunter Biden. I think that is what happens last um, in this process. I, I, I don't want to wrap up yet because I want you to explain to people a very important person in this process, Eric Schwerin, because his proximity to the Bidens, what he's done in the past, his visits to the hot to the uh, to the White House and the vice president's residence, he is a key factor in this. Yeah, he is. So uh, Devin Archer, who we've heard the the, the testimony from, and I think it was very uh, compelling uh, and powerful. He was the kind of the architect, I think, of a lot of the deals, how they tried to structure them, how they tried to structure the business. Eric Schwerin is the guy who moves the money around. Um, and you see that in the emails and the laptop. I mean, you see Eric Schwerin emailing Hunter Biden. Yeah, your, your dad called me about uh, the mortgage. Your dad called me about repairs that were being done at the house you know your dad you know your dad got his refund check um i'm putting it in your account because your dad owes you the money um eric schwerin is the guy that is communicating with joe biden hunter biden on their own personal financial matters 
as well as the financial matters of Rosemont Seneca Partners. So he will know a lot about the flow of money, uh, where it went, who it went to, and when it went. Uh, the understanding that I have in having talked to some of Hunter Biden's former business partners uh, is that uh, Eric Schwerin and, and Hunter Biden had a massive falling out, uh, as Hunter Biden seems to have had with a lot of his business partners. Um, so Schwerin, early reports from uh, uh, Congressman Comer are that he's been cooperating with the committee. Um, so I think his testimony is going to be very interesting. Again, the Bidens operate their business in a way that is very family specific and focused. So I don't want to exaggerate the fact that he's going to be able to spill all the beans. I think there's still money that is moving around within the family that Eric Schwerin doesn't know about. But I do think that he will offer some real insight and, and perhaps some forensic documents that indicate how the flow of money was handled. And they'll be able to answer questions that come up in the laptop, for example, uh, as to Hunter Biden paying some of his father's bills while his father was vice president. Now, that that's not legal, uh, as you know, as a yeah. former member of Congress. You can certainly receive gifts, reasonable gifts from family members for your birthday or Christmas, but politicians cannot have their their lifestyle subsidized by family members. And it is very clear that at least on the laptop, we identified, you know, probably 50 to 60 thousand dollars in bills that Hunter Biden paid for his father. Schwerin can answer questions about how that arrangement was made, what other bills might have been made or that. What are these joint accounts that you talk about? Um, these are all, I think, important, legitimate uh, questions that may open up other opportunities to subpoena even more financial records than we know about right now. Yeah. Following the money and understanding how that works, because, you know, one of the the concerns is that even Joe Biden himself kind of joked about, oh, really, where's the money? You know, like, ha ha, you're not going to find it is kind of how I read that. Uh, you know, a lot of this money could could I'm not saying that there uh, but could be parked overseas. Um, and, Absolutely. And outside the, the realm of where they're able to look. But I think when they exhaust the U.S. banking issues, when they go through all of the phone records, when they go through what they can get at in the United States and then start to go into transcribed interviews or uh, flat out depositions, again, a court reporter under oath, you know, record every document. And the way this works, having done it myself many times, is that you get an hour uh, with your witness and then you take a little breath and the Democrats get to interview the witness for an hour. So it's balanced. It's different yeah. than how some of these other things have been done. But then you actually get to the nitty gritty. Then the researchers can go back and corroborate and they can ask other questions and unearth other documents. These things always take too long. Like, I, I wish they wouldn't take so long, but I think they're on the right path. And, and I mean, even though it's over the last 45 minutes of us talking about this very specifically, there's still a lot more out there that we haven't even begun to discuss. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. I mean, it's always been a complicated story in the sense that, you know, it involves, you know, foreign entities, all these LLCs, uh, official duties, you know, uh, you know, unknown phones. Now we know there were pseudonyms involved in emails. It's always been a complicated story. But again, I think the committee has done a very good job. I think the pace is good. Look, this is this is a very, very very important story and we want the facts to come out right and that takes time um, and I agree with you we need an impeachment inquiry um, and I think where you see where the inquiry goes and then questions about impeachment can be answered after you've done the investigation but um, the evidence to me is compelling we need to have the inquiry we need more muscle uh, behind the subpoenas uh, and we need to see where the evidence eventually takes us yeah we're going to find out if Republicans have a backbone because it's going to need the full weight of the entire Republican conference including those people that are in, you know, so-called Joe Biden districts to actually step up and do the right thing. And it requires leadership from um, Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, from, you know, Steve Scalise and others to actually say, OK, we're doing this. We're going to do and we're going to follow the evidence. That's what you have to do. And that's what they didn't do with Donald Trump. But that's what they need to do if they're going to do it right with credibility and come up with a compelling um, fact pattern that can be demonstrably 
documented and shown as to what's happening. And what the Department of Justice is doing now, uh, you know, the special counsel, I think, is ridiculous. The statute says it should be somebody outside of government who's not conflicted. And guess what? They empowered somebody who's <laughs> conflicted and does work at the Department of Justice. So, I, you know, this is the problem. Yeah, it is. Look, I, I'm an optimist by nature. I know you are as well, Jason. The American people, now as the evidence is coming out, the American people are starting to grasp what happened. There was just a few weeks ago a Harvard-Harris poll. This is not some conservative pollster. This is right. Harvard University and Harris. Uh, close to 60% of the American people, including close to 60% of independents, believe that Joe Biden was involved in a criminal commercial enterprise that his son was running. That's close to 60 percent. That is a remarkable number. And I think that number is only going to climb uh, because the media has got to be forced to cover this. It will become an embarrassment if you have an impeachment inquiry and readers of some of these publications don't even know what's going on because they're they've never reported what the underlying facts are. So I'm optimistic we will get the truth exposed. We will get it out there and then we will decide as a country, I think, what the next step is. And I do believe that it is pointing to bribery and uh, bribery, of course, is mentioned as an impeachable offense. But we'll see where the evidence uh, leads us. Yeah. Even if this is fully exhausted and Joe Biden steps down, isn't around, you know, his runs his term out, it still needs to be run to ground no matter what. We can't allow these types of things to happen. It's exactly what our founders feared, and it's exactly why uh, this needs to be uh, exposed for, for what happened. It's truth in its totality as best we can find. Peter Schweitzer, you do some of the best work that's out there. Looking forward to your book coming out in January, but boy, you certainly have had some blockbusters thus far, and thanks for joining me on the Jason in the House podcast. Oh, this is a lot of fun, Jason. Thanks for inviting me. Well, that's Peter Schweitzer at his best. Um, his diving deep into the facts, understanding what's happening, what's not happening, and then articulating it in such a way that it's understandable. And this is a huge, huge issue. We have to tackle this. We have to get after it. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. It is a serious topic. It's a deep topic. It's an important topic. Please, I would appreciate it if you could rate this podcast, if you would review the podcast, and make sure you join us next week. I want to remind people that they can listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Join us next week. We'll have another great uh, guest that will be joining us. I'm Jason Chaffetz. This has been Jason in the House. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.